It's a goal! He's done it! Yeah, what a shot! This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Just Sports. Hello and welcome to Just Sports and uh, we are right now, Mr. Rahul Puri is in uh, his bedroom in Bandra and I'm in my bedroom in Andheri because it's the Visarjan day in Mumbai and nobody gets out of their houses. So yes, Rahul? Yes, we are all safe and secure from all of the Visarjan traffic. So yeah, God bless Ganesha, God bless all the believers. Today is the last day, life should be back to some kind of normalcy tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed. So moving on to what we always do, we discuss sports on Just Sports. And we have a lot to discuss about uh, in our edition this time. We're going to start with this mega, mega money move for the IPL. I mean, come on, that's a shitload of money. So we're going to discuss the IPL. We're going to discuss the shitload of money spent in the transfer window. And we're going to talk about, uh, is Lewis Hamilton, you know, prized for greatness uh, in Formula 1? So let's start with uh, the IPL, Rahul. 64 crores per match. I mean, that's a ridiculous amount of money for cricket. Well, it's a game changer, isn't it? I mean, if you consider that I read somewhere that Star had paid 55 crores for each Indian international match in the last deal that they did. Absolutely. So that basically tells you now that every IPL match is worth more than an India international home match. So that I think is just writing on the wall. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think, you know, this is it. This is the game changer, isn't it? Franchise cricket is now the predominant cricket, at least commercially. Uh, in the world right now. So uh, that deal that Star have gone through and, and got for the IPL, I think is uh, is an absolute game changer for the sport. Absolutely, Rahul. And you know, what is also shown and what you rightly said is that the other deal, which was the consorted deal of the Sonys and the other, was just 500 crores behind. It wasn't like a huge amount of money behind. So broadcasters are now telling the world out there that franchise cricket is here to stay and we are willing to spend the big money on it. And that I think is pretty much, you know, going to be the death knell for other forms of cricket in the next five years, six years stops because the money will dry up. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that it'll be interesting to see now what happens with India's next uh, home series uh, rights that go. It'll be interesting to see if Star bid more for that uh, or less. But I think whether they bid more or less for it really depends on on how successful Star are are with the IPL. Because, I mean, if they do really well with franchise cricket, it is conceivable that they may not feel the urge to to bid so much money for the international matches. So So also, Rahul, it comes back to your point that you have always been making about two-tier cricket. That, you know, even if it's in India, it's only India-Australia, India-South Africa, India-Pakistan doesn't play. So India-England, it's only three series. I mean, I don't think anybody's interested. I would be shocked if anybody was to watch India play Sri Lanka when Sri Lanka come to India this time. It's a dead series. You know, I completely agree with you. And it's something that I've been saying for a long, long time. The the, the problem with test cricket at the moment is it's just not competitive. Any cricket, Uh, Rahul. I mean, even the one-day internationals. Look at the way... So I mean, I've I've said this over and over again. I mean, I don't think there should be any one-day... You know... The, the, the issue is the confusion here. I mean, l- look, I hope, I am hoping that uh, the success of franchise T20 
kills off international T20 cricket because I don't see a place for international T20 cricket. And I think that if it kills off international T20 cricket, then there is some hope left for one day cricket. But if not, then I don't see any hope for one day cricket going forward. And, and this big money deal, you know, is if nothing else, a sign for things to come that people are willing to spend the big bucks. Mitchell McAllican does not want to get his contract renewed. He wants to go and be a free freelancer. I mean, you just have to look look at the Caribbean Premier League. Look look at the way that that is doing in, in the Caribbean. South Africa have uh, announced a new, brand new uh, T20 tournament. Uh, the NatWest Blast, I watched it over the weekend, the, the finals day in, in England, was a huge success with a, with a full crowd. People love T20 cricket. The audience loves T20 cricket. There's wickets, there's runs, there's sixes, there's all the razzle-dazzle that you enjoy. It is a very good day out. And, you know, whatever anybody wants to say, that is the the essence of sport is for a crowd to get involved. And if you don't have a good involved crowd, you don't have sport. And absolutely, Rahul. And I think this big money deal has, you know, in my opinion, you're right. That it's it's just the sign for things to come. That franchise cricket will take over international cricket. People will want to watch more and more of franchise cricket and also that's exactly I mean it it wouldn't surprise me if a little way down the line you know that that what was it the champions trophy that was set up that that international uh, T20 cricket tournament that would set up it wouldn't surprise me if if that makes a reappearance at some point in the international calendar because you know there is such a desire for people to come out and watch this kind of cricket and yes there will always be space in the calendars for India versus Australia and Australia versus England and and England versus India, there will always be space on the calendars for that. But even today, uh, the English cricket board has come out and announced that they're going to play five test matches against India, five one days against Australia next summer, and only two test matches against Pakistan in England two test matches against Pakistan. That, for me, is just going to show that there are some teams that are far more marketable than others. And unfortunately, Pakistan, West Indies, Sri Lanka, New Zealand are just not in that group. Absolutely, Rahul. And I think that's that's the, the clear sign that we are moving more towards franchise cricket. And this big money deal is just a sign for things to come. But now, hey, I mean, Star controls pretty much all of cricket in India. So it's like... This a virtual monopoly. And, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see, given the fact that Star has been very, very successful with their other properties, uh, whether it's Kabaddi or it's um, hockey or you know any of the other stuff that they do, I would like to really see them now go out and motivate the franchises to go out and create more of a feeling around the franchise. Because I think that's what IPL is missing. And I think that if that comes to IPL, it'll be a huge fillip for that tournament. Okay, so moving on from the IPL and the big money the big money spent on it Rahul and I are getting nothing out of it so yeah we're a little sad about it <laughs> and one more guy who might be a little sad uh, you know Rahul would be Lalit Modi I mean he's the man who created it but it's just I mean yeah he's frozen out of it isn't it uh, at the moment but frozen you know, out of it, absolutely. You know, that's the foresight of the man I mean you've got to credit him with that foresight you know that he created it. he created it he made it a billion dollar brand and of course now it's a two and a half billion dollar brand and that's just just the, the TV rights but um, you know he, he has really turned that into something that is is just um it's changed cricket forever true and that's it that's that's the ipl story congratulations star let's see what star does with it moving on uh it's the international break uh, so we're not really you know catching too much of club football but 
the one thing Rahul that's that's coming out of the international you know football that we're seeing that a lot of the old war houses or the old war horses uh, are no longer those big tier teams. I mean, the Netherlands are struggling, France yeah. is struggling. You know, England is the perpetual struggler uh, with just yeah. you know, but it's no longer the big dominant teams. You're not seeing that dominance of the teams. You know, even Hungary is is, is struggling. Uh, it, yes. it, that's that's. Well, I think, I, I think that it, it's partly to do with with the way that the seeding system works, isn't it? That unfortunately you do you do end up with. Uh, you know, the Netherlands are, are stuck in a group with France and Sweden. Um, you know, Italy and Spain are in the same group. You know, there are a bunch of good teams. I mean, you know, Wales, uh, the, the country of my birth, of course, are stuck in a group with the Republic of Ireland and a bunch of other clubs. So, you know, European qualifying has become very, very competitive because of so many of their places, the European places have now gone to other parts of the world like uh, Africa and Asia and, and Australasia. So uh, there is a lot of pressure on those on those traditional European giants. And uh, some of them are not having a very good time of it. I mean, you know, Holland is a is a real struggle. You know, and Holland, you know, it would be a, it could be a World Cup without Holland. I mean, the way it no, is it, it's looking like it will be a World Cup without Holland. I mean, Holland. And that's um, a big thing for the know, country. They, that... they, they are really struggling in that group. But, you know, Belgium are through. Uh, they are, I think, the first I mean, European is uh, side has qualified. You would expect Germany would wrap up qualification fairly soon as well. England, even though they haven't been particularly brilliant, uh, they've got a group full of... Uh, I mean, really, their, their only challenger is, is Scotland. And they should cruise uh, to their qualification. So, you know... You you will have the the normal sort of European giants uh, hanging around the place, but you know you will have some surprise teams. Northern Ireland is one, um, yeah. right up there in their qualifying group. You will have some surprises as well. And um, you know it, it, the other team, uh, I suppose, you know one of the, the the traditional giants that's really struggling is Argentina, um, and they've got a real struggle uh, to get I'm into not the not playoff even. places. Forget anything else. So yeah, it's been it's been interesting, you know, that a lot of the things are moving around and. You you know, new nuts and bolts are in place and you might have new faces and traditional giants are facing the pressure and the transfer window also saw its own kind of pressure Rahul but it, it just I think the Neymar deal just derailed everything <laughs> it, it didn't quite happen did it the, the transfer window uh, I yeah, think because... you know even though it was a transfer window where I think British clubs again broke the record of the amount of money that they spend in the transfer window I think that if you go back and look at it you will see that that money was spent on much fewer players than previously and I think that this was a transfer window where a lot of clubs just felt hang on you know let's not sell actually Let, let's just hold on and I think that the Neymar deal you know actually derailed many other deals which would have happened if that crazy amount of money would not have been spent that that yeah, the, the no, money no I, I mean I, I agree with that also but I mean I also feel uh, you know if you take the British clubs uh, for instance and you, and you look at the teams that, that didn't necessarily do a lot of business in a win in the window that were perhaps expected to. So you, you know, Chelsea had a horrible window. Um, Spurs brought in a couple. They brought in Lorientes just like literally on the last day. You know, Liverpool didn't bring in uh, Van Dijk, who they they'd expected to get in. He didn't come in um, at centre back. Arsenal had another. They had a miserable window um, as well. I just think that, to my mind, some of these managers, Pochettino, Klopp, Conte, Mourinho, I think they feel 
feel very strongly about their ability to coach players. And therefore, I don't think they were ever going to get into this sort of wild spending uh, that you would that you had seen. I think they were they were yes, I think I think Conte out of all of them is the one that is a little disappointed with what he's got. I think the other managers are reasonably satisfied with what they've got, um, even if their fans are not. Yeah, but you know, the, I think the thing is that I think for the next transfer window, they'll have to have some sanity, Rahul. I mean, over here, you had a Coutinho situation where he didn't want to play for the club that he was playing for. Van Dijk went in and put in a request and said, I don't want to play for you. Diego Costa has not been sold to Madrid. He's going to keep sulking. It's not a happy situation for football. Yeah, but I mean, what do you intend to do about it when a club refuses to sell? Now, you know, Coutinho, the Coutinho situation, obviously, if Coutinho uh, perhaps perhaps had put in the transfer request a little earlier, things might have been different. But by that time, Klopp knew that he had... Nobody else, if he couldn't get any. He was, he was limited with his chances of getting Cater. And I think that if he had got Cater this summer, he might well have let Coutinho go. I personally think that Klopp is happy for Coutinho to go. I, I honestly do. I think that FSG, it's the other way around. I think FSG, the owners, John Henry, is the one that's saying, you know what, I don't care. He's not going anywhere. Uh, so I think that Klopp, if he had got Cater much earlier, would, have probably, uh, probably, probably would probably have been okay with letting Coutinho go. But I think that Coutinho's fat, the, the, the issue with Coutinho here is that he just waited too long and he had a great preseason and he was he was part of the squad and he was enjoying his preseason and he was looking good in the preseason and then slam bang two days before before or a day before the first match he just decides to drop in a transfer request well at that point I think the club have just decided well you know we're not going to get Cater we don't really want anybody else because here's the other thing I mean you know Liverpool had, had taken the money for Coutinho and gone out and spent somebody else well now they've got Cater right I and mean, he's coming next summer or he may come in January some people say or whatever it is um, I don't see the club being able to to make those sort of stick or twist decisions. So on that, I'm I'm fully behind the club on it. Having said that, um, I don't also have any problems with Southampton turning around and not selling Van Dijk. Um, it would be really hypocritical of me to say, you know what, we don't want to sell Coutinho, but they should sell us Van Dijk. I, I don't think that works either. Yeah, but it's been an, it's been a pretty dull transfer window if you if you really look at it. I mean, the last day was pretty dull. Normally, when all the big deals are done and things happen, but. Hey, I mean, let's let's see how it goes. And big money has been spent, Raul. So I mean, big money has been spent. And as I said, I mean, I think that barring Conte and certainly barring Wenger, I think if all of the other managers in that top six are reasonably happy with what they've got. I think you knew that Mourinho was very happy because he didn't he didn't get involved in transfer day at all. Deadline day at all. Manchester United was shut. They were not getting involved in it at all. Spurs bought a couple of players in the last couple of days. Liverpool obviously got Cater and then they got Oxlade-Chamberlain. Chelsea got a couple of people over the line. Man City were good. But what will be interesting, Raul, I mean, just to cut you through, is to say that how these unhappy players now play because Sanchez is apparently very unhappy. But I don't think they've got a choice now, Summer. They, they, have they don't have a choice. You know, they have to play. It's a World Cup year. It's They've the got Cup to year. play football. So yeah, unhappy players are going to play football, and who will be the happiest? Allow me, because we have happy players, and we're going to play happy football. Yeah, absolutely. Man United have got happy players, but you know everybody else has got happy players. Apart from, apart from a couple of people that are sulking on the on the sidelines. Okay, so it's been the end of the transfer window till the time January comes back again, and we have again bustle of activity. Moving on to Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he's doing pretty well for himself, Rahul, and I think he's on his way, if if not, you know, to to be one of the greats of the race of the of, 
He's already ta- overtaken Michael Schumacher's pole position, uh, you know, record. He's on a roll. No, for sure. I mean, he's a he's a child prodigy. He's, he, he he got his break in Formula One very quickly, very early, and he's risen up the ranks. I mean, I I don't think that there's a question that he's the best driver out there in the world. He's managed now to marry. Um, his skill and his uh, race intelligence uh, with a little bit of maturity and uh, you know it's a matter of time before he becomes a real great I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that 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 will happen for him he will become a great of the racing sport there's no question yeah because I think he's, he's on his way he's got the desire you know, he's got the talent for sure. He's got the car. I mean, he's got the team at the moment. He's got a really good team. They've got the best car. And he's, he's uh, I think he's the guy that everybody needs to beat, you know. And if you beat Lewis Hamilton, I think you end up world champion. I think it's, it's as simple as that. So he's going to be one of the greats. And the other man who's, you know, being on the way to greatness is Virat Kohli. 31 day centuries in just like half the matches that Sachin took. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. That that record is just unreal because, you know, in, in half the one day is less than half the one day is I think that Sachin has played, I think he's got the same number of, of hundreds as Ponting. Ponting played some 350 games. Kohli's not even played 200 yet. It's just an unbelievable record. And, and, what, like and what's machine. so amazing out of those 30 hundreds is is that the majority of them are chasing. You know, and it's a, he's like a machine, so I don't think he's going to stop anytime soon, and he's just going to go for it. And I don't want to even put a wager on how many hundreds he's going to get round, so... No, and, and I, I mean, I really do feel that he will lead India to their most successful period of cricket. I mean, I really do. His uh, Indian team is is one that I think is on the brink of conquering the world. Okay, so on that happy note, we shall leave today's podcast and leave Rahul to enjoy the rest of his evening amidst the noise that will be outside and amidst the noise that will be outside my house too. So thank you very much, Mr. Puri. I shall see you soon and uh, let you enjoy your evening. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.